give it up for the band. Aren't they awesome? Aren't they awesome? And hey, if you, if you don't know anything about music and, and you don't understand how much time and energy it takes to learn a U2 song a week as they are on top of the four songs that they do every week, on top of like the 23 they did during baptism. So yeah, give it up for them again. They did a great job. They did a great job. They killed it. Hey, my name is, uh, my name is Mike Ash. I am the associate pastor here at Next Level Church, and I have been a part of the church um, since we started the church nine and a half years ago. Um, I was 21, and Pastor Matt and Sarah said, hey, we're moving to Fort Myers to start a church. So I threw myself on the back of their truck and have been here ever since. It's been fun. So I'm excited about closing out this Joshua series with all of us today. And part of the reason why I like Joshua, and even just reading through the story of Joshua, um, it stands out to me, is because Joshua was the, was, was the leader who followed Moses. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I would want to be that guy. I mean, can you imagine following the guy who l- delivered all of, all of Israel out of slavery and was the guy who split the Red Sea? I mean, how, it's like, all right, Joshua, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a tough thing. And in leadership and in businesses, whenever you have like one dynamic, amazing leader, it's very difficult to follow that as a leader. And if, uh, think about this, Bob Barker, okay? Drew Carey, you're not good at Price is Right, okay? There was one Price is Right guy. It was Bob Barker. He did the long microphone. He was cool. He was like the man. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm like making myself seem older than I am because I'm talking about Price is Right, but I'm just telling you, if you watch Price is Right with Drew Carey, you want to kick him because it's just not as good. It just doesn't work that way. And so Joshua, yeah, come on, amen. Um, so Joshua, for him, uh, for him to actually accomplish what he's accomplished and did everything that he did uh, throughout his life and all we talked about in the last few weeks, God had to show up. That had to be God. And so this has been a fun series to talk through. Uh, the first week, we talked about the different seasons of life. We talked about transition and how at different times we talk about the transition from Moses to Joshua and how through our lives at times we have to deal with and go through transition. The second week, we talked about uncommon obedience. We talked about the battle of Jericho and how God had ordered them to march around the city of Jericho until the walls fall down. And that week was awesome. Uh, we had 147 people baptized over that weekend, which was fun. And if you have not watched that, if you've not downloaded that message on iTunes, the video message, you've got to watch it because it is amazing to watch 147 people cross the line in baptism and decide publicly that they're going to follow Jesus. It was just an amazing time, an amazing message. The next week, we talked about advancement, talked about never settling. Even though it seems like sometimes we make it, just keep pushing forward and never settling. And then last week, if you weren't here, I wasn't here last week, but I listened to the message, and you can download any of those on iTunes. Uh, Pastor Matt talked about inhabiting the land and really stepping into our destiny. So the series has been fun, and today, as we close out the series, before I really talk through what we're going to talk about today, what I, what I would like you to do is I'd like you to actually change the picture of Joshua that you might have in your mind. Because when I think of Joshua, I think of this young, tough warrior. When I think of Joshua, I think this young guy, Moses is kind of the old guy who led the nation, was a shepherd, he was kind of that guy. Joshua was the one who went into battle. Moses got him there, and as soon as they went to the promised land, Joshua led the army, and they went into battle. But when we look at this story and the story we're going to look at today and kind of the last couple chapters of Joshua, we find that Joshua is way past that phase in his life. He's in a different phase and he's an older man. In fact, in Joshua chapter 23, verse 1, it says, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. So he recognized he was very old. 
So he gets all the leaders of Israel together, all the influencers, everyone who really was influencing the nation of Israel at that time. He brings them all together and brings them together because he has a few things before his life ends that he wants to share. So instead of the young warrior that maybe you picture when you think of Joshua, here's what I want you to do, and maybe this will help. I want you to think of that relative who was a little bit older, who whenever you guys get together as a family, and maybe at different times, they would all pull the family together and really tell some stories. For me, it wasn't a grandpa. For me, it was my grandma. Uh, we called my grandma Nana. We called her Nana. Um, I'm not sure why. Like, I don't know why that is. Um, the only other person that I know that is called Nana is my mom, and my kids call her Nana. And the only reason why they call her Nana is because we were Skyping with my mom one day because she lives in Indiana, and I was holding a banana, and my son saw it beyond the computer, and he goes, Nana. And she's like, oh, you want me to call? You want to call me Nana? I'll be your Nana. So they call her Nana to this day. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know that. She thinks it was like divinely inspired that they call her Nana. She's like, you can call me Nana. And of all her grandkids, only my kids call her Nana. And she doesn't know why that is. And I don't know why that is either. But we just kind of stuck with it. And I'm like, okay, we'll call, have her call her Nana. So I don't know why we called my grandma Nana, but we call her Nana. And she was not only the person who tell all the stories and be around, but she was like this feisty older lady. Like feisty. Like, like the first time she met Pastor Josh, our kids pastor, he said he didn't want any onions on his hamburger. And she goes, what are you, a wuss? Like, she was feisty. Like, that's just, she was, she was feisty, right? And so she, one of the stories, and I've been thinking about, okay, what story can I tell that really kind of encompasses her? Because I think it's fun to just tell stories like that. What story really encompasses her? <laughs> and there are so many cuss words in most of her stories. I couldn't think of one to tell in church. I'll, like, tell them to guys outside. But um, there's one story that I think actually worked out really well. And she, uh, she and my grandpa were out shopping one day, and they lived in Florida, so she left early to go turn the AC on. So he was in the store. She comes out to turn the AC on. And I don't know if you ever had this experience here before, but someone had walked by in the parking lot and basically were slapping bumper stickers on cars. And so she walks out, and she sees this bumper sticker on her car. And she gets ticked, and of course she's feisty and has a temper, so she takes her key and starts scraping off this bumper sticker. And she got to the point where she didn't care what happened to her car, so she's scraping and scraping the paint off the bumper as well, but she's just going to town, like just mad. So my grandma walks out, and she's my grandma just scraping the paint off of their bumper, and he goes, what are you doing? She goes, some idiot, she probably didn't say idiot, some idiot put a bumper sticker on our car. He goes, that's not our car. And their car didn't have a bumper sticker on it, and they just left without telling anybody. Which we would all do, but so, um, so she, she used to get us together and, uh, and tell stories like that. So that's the picture I want you to have in your mind. Who is that individual in your family that would pull you together and really tell some of the stories, the matriarch of your family? So Joshua gets everybody together and really gets them together, and he begins telling them the history of Israel. And he talks about Abraham. He talks about Isaac. He talks about Jacob. He talks about how the nation of Israel was in slavery and how God had raised up Moses to deliver him from that slavery. He talked through Moses' life, and then he starts talking about all the, all the victories and all the battles that they had gone through together and all the battles that Joshua had led them through. And he reminds them. He reminds them of everything that God had done in their nation. And whenever, whenever something like this happens, especially in the Bible, I think... Why did he remind them? They should already know. But we know this in our lives. It is just sometimes easy to forget all that God does in our lives. And it's easy to forget that. So he brings them together, this last conversation that he has with the leaders of Israel, and he reminds them. And after he reminds them in Joshua 24, here's what he says. 
Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. In other words, if you're going to serve God, get rid of everything else. And then verse 15, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. At the end of his life, the biggest priority for Joshua is that the people and the nation of Israel would choose to serve the Lord. The biggest priority that they would make a choice. He knew that if they were going to succeed as a nation, they had to choose to serve the Lord. So he calls them to this moment of decision, and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the reason why this is such a big deal and so important, especially in the Israelite um, uh, nation, is because if you are an Israelite, if you're from Israel, you follow God because basically all of Israel just follow God. There was not a choice attached to it. You follow God because you just sort of grew up in Israel, and, and God was the God of Israel. And because he was the God of Israel, there was no choice attached. You just happened to be a follower of God. Even if you didn't necessarily adapt your life that way, even if you didn't necessarily do anything to follow him, you were a follower of God just because you were a part of the nation of Israel. For some of us, we know what that's like. Because we grew up in a church, and we've been in church ever since. And we didn't necessarily make a choice to stay in church. We just stayed in church. I talked to a lot of people, and if you grew up in a Catholic background, this seems to be very prominent. That regardless of what you do now and, and where you're at in this stage of your life, if you grew up as a Catholic, you're just a Catholic. And I'll talk to people, and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm Catholic. Because, you know, of course, I'm a pastor, so I have a lot of conversations with people about where they're at spiritually. And they'll say, well, I'm Catholic. And I'll say, yeah, I, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. Okay, so what makes you a Catholic? Well, I grew up as a Catholic, and I'm a Catholic. There was not actually a choice involved with it. They just ended up being a Catholic. For some of us, it might not be a church thing, but it could be, it could be, um, it could be a political party. That we grew up, and our dad or our mom were on one side of the aisle, and they said, listen, if you ever go to the other side of the aisle, I'm just telling you, you're gonna, we're going to kill you, right? You're, de- you're dead. So there was never really a choice involved with it. We just kind of ended up in the place that we're at. Some of us went to college that way, that our parents went to college there. We went to college there. Some of us, this is where our, our sport team that we root for, you root for them just because you've always rooted for them. You never really made a choice. You just fell into it. This is where Israel was. They didn't necessarily choose. And in this moment, Joshua essentially says, okay, choose this day who you will serve. In other words, Israelite equals follower of God doesn't work anymore. Just because you're an Israelite doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be a follower of God. That if, we, that if this nation is going to succeed, if this nation is going to follow God, it will happen because of choice. It will happen because they choose it that way. And he knew these leaders, as he brought these leaders together, this was an important principle, and they had to do it. And here's the principle that he understood that is a human principle. It's true for the Israelites. It's true for us. He understood that we are the result of the choices that we make. We are the result of the choices that we make. And if Israel was going to follow God, they were going to follow God as a, resu- uh, as a result of choice, not as a result of chance. And if they just left it up to, well, we've kind of always done this, so we're always going to do this, and not actually call them to a moment of decision, most likely they would not continue to follow God long term. So after he was gone, he knew to bring them to a point of decision, bring them to a point where they had to choose. 
And the same that's true with the Israelites, the same is true, like I said, with all humans, is that we are the result of the choices that we make. And if we want to be a good spouse, or if we want to be healthy, or if we want to be smart, we want to follow God, if you want to do better in your job, we want to, if we want to just be better individuals in any way that we want to be, it will be the result of our choices. If you want to be a good spouse, you do what a good spouse does. You, you make choices that work in the direction to make sure that you're being a better spouse every single day. If you want to be healthy, we make choices to make sure that we're healthy. Now, the problem with this, and this problem is because it's so intuitive and it's so easy to know, a lot of us, for a lot of us, we say we want to be something. We say that we want to be healthy. We say we want to be a good spouse. We say we want to be something. But a lot of times, if we were to examine the choices that we make on a regular basis, a lot of our choices, maybe not all of them, but a lot of our choices actually work contrary to the thing that we say that we want to be. And we say we want to be a good spouse, but if we were to examine our choices, we would actually look on and go, well, a lot of your choices are actually working in the direction against that which you think you want to be or you say you want to be. And this is true for Christians as well. And a lot of times as Christians, we say, we want to follow God. But if we were to examine our choices and really look at some of our choices, we would see that a lot of our choices are actually leading us in a direction away from following God. And here's what we do. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to say, as, as people who follow God, and I, think, I don't know if this is an American thing, I, just, I think this is a, a worldwide thing. I think we just do this. Is we essentially say, okay, here's my God box. I have a box, and it's a God box. And I have a box, and this is my family box, and this is my work box, and this is my social box. And all of these boxes are compartmentalized, and what happens in one doesn't necessarily affect what happens in the next. And I can do, I may not be the most honest person here, but I can be the most honest person here. And for a lot of us, what we do is we go to the God box and we come to church and we're in church or we're listening online or, or, and we come here and we go to church and maybe some of us serve a little bit or maybe someone's given the offering or maybe, whatever that is. And we go in the God box and fill up the God box a little bit. And then we go to this and we make decisions based on a different box and we continue to move boxes, make decisions all independent of themselves. And we think to ourselves, we're good because I filled up that box. I'm a follower of God. Because I have a little bit in this box, but what we have to realize is that in our spiritual life, especially in our spiritual life, but all throughout, all of these boxes tend to flow together. And all of our lives tend to work together. Instead of looking at it compartmentalized, it actually works a little bit more like a continuum. I'm gonna put, we're going to put a continuum on the stage just to show you what that is. Um, and there's one in your bulletin too, just as a, as a point of reference. Essentially, every decision that we make throughout our lives, every decision leads one of two ways for all of us. One of two ways. Either it leads us to becoming more like Christ or less like Christ. Either it makes us more like Jesus or it makes us less like Jesus. Either it leads us towards serving the Lord more or serving the Lord less. Every decision that we make leads us in one of two ways directions. So, uh, so because of that, what I wanted to do is I actually wanted to take a couple of choices, and I want to throw them out to you. Um, and I want you, I'm going to leave the continuum on the screen, I, I want you to decide which direction you think this takes you. And, if it, and, and, and I'm not even going to tell you for most of them what I think, because I want you to decide and really make the decision, because I want us to realize every decision that we make leads us in one of two directions. Here's, here's the first one, a couple of choices, a couple of choices. First one is, Happy hour. Happy hour. I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say it's bad. But what direction would you say it takes you on the continuum? 
Date nights with your spouse. Date nights with your spouse. Away from or towards Christ. Driving as fast as you had to drive to get to church on time today. Come on. Come on. This is me, okay? I'll say this one, be a little sarcastic, because although I drive a little 2001 Corolla, I will cut you off, okay? I drive, I, listen, it's not awesome. I'm not, you know, and I evaluate this, and again, for me, there's been a couple of these, I'm like, I should erase these, because I deal with this stuff. Like, for me, this is one of those things. I know, but that's why I don't put a Christian fish on my car, Okay, I don't put Christian bumper stickers. I don't do anything because not only does my driving lead me away from Christ, it will lead you away from Christ. Okay, that's just, that's just good. And listen, let me just say this, kind of a side note. If you have a Christian fish on your car, you better drive like it. Okay, if you don't, you better do what my grandma did, scrape it off. Just take that thing off. You don't need to have it on there. I'm just telling you. If people are going to judge, here's my, here's my personal conviction, kind of a side note. If people are going to judge eternally what they believe about the God of the universe based on my driving, okay, I don't want that responsibility. And if I had it, I'm driving like five, not five under the speed limit because that may work against me too, but I'm driving right there at that speed limit. I'm being polite. I'm waving to people. I'm smiling as I'm driving, rolling out my windows, blaring Christian music. Like that's, that's what I'm doing because I don't want people to have any bad feeling about Jesus because what I put on my car. So I don't put anything <laughs> at all. So it's good. Um, uh, the purchase, the purchase that you made recently, the purchase that you made recently, the phone, the car, the house, the clothes, whatever that thing is, towards or away from Christ. R-rated movies, R-rated movies. For me, I kind of have the standard. I don't watch any movies with any sort of sex scene in them. But man, I love it when people kill each other. Okay, just be honest. I'm not sure that's leading me towards Christ. Again, this is, I'm in this process with you. I'm not sure that's leading me anywhere I need to go. But I'm like, woo, shoot them up, kill, woo, war movies. It's not good. Freedom. So um, uh, the, way that, the way that you talk about the other political party, the way to talk about them, the grudge that we're holding, going to church, going to church. Now, for a lot of us, we go, well, that's easy. But I would guess that there are a lot of us in this room, or maybe you're watching online, that, that you're back to church, but you took a hiatus because you went to a church that actually led you away from God. And you went there and you were hurt, you were, you were just messed up, the people there maybe weren't as nice as what they should have been, they didn't really reflect Jesus, and you said, hey, if this is what church is about, I'm out, I'm out. But for some of us, it says, we say, well, it leads us towards, but some of us, up to this point, it's not led us towards Christ at all. Cussing out an employee or contractor, working hard at your job, the amount that you're going to tip the waitress when you go out to lunch today better be high if they know you go to church. Flirting with him, flirting with her, making that investment. The reason why I want to make this list is because I want us to think outside of that our spiritual life is not just how much you pray and read your Bible. Okay? It's not, it's not just how much you go to church. And I went three out of four times this month. Woo! It's not only just that. Every decision we make... Is it going to lead us to be more like Christ or less like Christ? It's going to lead us to be more like Christ or less like Christ. And a lot of times we say that we want to follow God with our lives, but some of the choices that we make lead us in the opposite direction of that. So let me ask us this. If we were to examine our everyday choices, would it be clear that we are serving the Lord? Our everyday choices, would it be clear that we're serving the Lord? What are the choices that we're making right now that are leading us away from God? 
What are those choices for you? What is that thing that just popped into your head? What is that thing that just popped into your head that you're trying to push it to the back of your mind? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. That thing that you go, oh, I know this isn't leading me in the right direction, but I don't want to deal with this today. I can't believe he's bringing that up today. What is that thing? What is that thing? I believe that for a lot of us that are here today, I believe that God would say to all of us, choose this day who you will serve. And I believe that today is a day to examine our choices and begin to ask the question, do these align with what we want in our lives, especially as, as it has to do with following God with our lives. So Joshua, Joshua says after this, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But look at this. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I want us to notice that Joseph or Joshua does not say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And for some of us that are here today, some of us, this, this is not just a day for us to examine the everyday choices that we make, but this is a day to examine the choices that our families are making and asking the question, do they align with us taking steps in the direction of becoming more like Christ and following Jesus with our lives? And for some of us, and let me just say this, if we are the result of the choices that we make on a regular basis, if we're the result of the choices, then it would stand to be true that our families, the state of our families, are the result of the choices that we make as a family. And if our families are going to serve the Lord, then the choices that our families make have to align with that goal. And we have to evaluate the choices and ask the question, what are the choices that our families are making that are leading us towards Christ and leading us away from Christ. That may look like a few different things as far as following Jesus with our, with our families. Um, one of them is, it might, it might look like you as a family saying, okay, we're going to begin to start serving together. We're going to start serving together. We're going to, whatever that looks like. That may look like here um, in some capacity. If you, have a, if you have a kid of a teenager, if you're a parent of a teenager, let me just say this. I think, I think one of the coolest things you could do is to make sure that third Saturday serve day, which I think elementary, any age, I think, I think the five-week to service, you just take your family down. I think that's a great way. But if you have a teenager, I think I would take your teenager and I would go into our kids' ministry and I would lead a small group of first graders or kindergartners or second graders or third graders. I would go in there with them and say, we're going to invest in even the next generation down. We're going to invest in them and love on them and be there and serve in that capacity to show them what the next generation is doing, and show them what type of life they're supposed to live. I think if you have a tender, I think that'd be huge. That may look like even just serving a neighbor, serving someone who's in need, serving someone who just needs help. A few weeks ago, uh, Karsten, my three-year-old son and I, we were out, and he was, uh, and, and we were getting gas. And I was standing there at this gas pump, and Karsten was in the car in his car seat, and this guy walked past four other people pumping gas. And he walked up to me, and he said, he said, hey, I don't have any money for gas. Can you help me? And I thought, why didn't you ask them? There were like four other people you had to pass. What is the, that's, I don't know, am I wearing something that makes me, you think that I'm going to help you? But I, I, I did. And so, so I said, yeah. And the, part of the reason why I said, yeah, is because I knew that Carson's sitting in the car. And we drive around and I put my credit card in and get the receipt. And when I leave, it was like a moment, like those moments as a parent that we just know those moments happen. 
And I told Karsten, we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. And we're going to help as many people as we can. And as a family, we're going to help as many people as we can. And for me, I just wanted to make sure he knew that this house, our family, my family, we were going to serve the Lord. It may look like, it may look like that. It may look like just, just anywhere in any capacity. There's a family here at the church. And they have a, a, the couple has a teenage daughter and, and, and uh, I think it's teenage daughter and elementary son or vice versa. But a teenager and an elementary uh, kid. And they came here to serve in an event. We do a thing called Access Granted, which is with pastors, and where we bring them in from different parts of the country and train them and love on them and really try to invest in them so that they can go back and do the same with their churches. And they came in, and this family came, and they served one night. And the next night, they're supposed to have family night. And the parents said, what do you want to do for family night? And the teenager said, can't we just go back to the church and serve? Can't we just go serve the pastors? And the reason why they're doing that is because the parents have just set a tone that is our family we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to pursue that, and we're going to go after that. And let me just say this for those of us who are, or, or let me just say, um, let me just say this, if you're a guy, if you're for the men that are here today, let me just say this. I, I believe that if our families are going to say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, I believe that will happen because we lead them. I believe, man, your role, men, your role in your family, our role in our families is to be the leaders of our family. I believe this declaration is meant to be done by a man. Now, the side note here is, if you're a single mom and you're here, this is a declaration you're going to have to say. You're going to have to stand up for your family and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me just say this. I know this is hard. This is, a, this is something that you are never meant to declare yourself. This, this is personally why I think at times, I think, I think that um, I think that, that have premarital sex, I think divorce, I think the reason why God at times really just talks about it in a negative way, I think part of the reason is because God understands that it takes a man and it takes a woman to raise a child. And as a single mom, you found yourself as the only parent there who's really invested in your kid, and you've got to make this. And I believe that God will give you strength during these times, but this is a hard declaration that you have to make. So the, the, the side note is, this is I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to men, but for the single moms here, I'm telling you, what you're doing is honorable, it's amazing, I know it's hard, and, it's great. and I believe that God will bring grace in that times, and I believe that God has brought you into this church so that you can be surrounded by people, and we've tried to fill our kids' ministries and our youth ministries with men so that they can come in and see a strong male influence, that, they can, that your kids are going to always know and always see that men, men there that are there that are following Jesus with their lives. So, but, but men, let me just speak to you real quick. I think for a lot of men, and what I've seen with a lot of men is that a lot of times, men have a hard time, and we have a hard time figuring out how masculinity and Christianity go together. And for some of us, we probably walked in here tonight, or walked in here this morning, and the reason why we're here is because our wife dragged us. And if we were to be honest, we tried to figure out every possible excuse why not to be here. There's fishing, and there's golf, and there's games and sports games, and, and it's kind of like, thanks, Next Level. You have two Saturday night and two Sunday morning services. I can't ever skip church now. Like, she's always got next. She's always got a way for me to go. But for some of us, the reason why we're here is because we got dragged here, and she, she dragged us here. And, then, and, and here's what I would say to us. Here's what I'd say to us men. If that is our priority, if we continue to have that priority on church and on Jesus throughout our lives, I would say what's going to happen is our kids are going to see that and they are going to take our lead. And as soon as they're old enough to choose, they will choose not to come anymore. 
They will choose to stop following Jesus. If we have them so low on a priority. But I think we're going, okay, but how does this work for me in, our, in my life? I think, men, we are supposed to figure that out. I think we're supposed to figure out how we're supposed to be masculine in a Christian environment. And that is a priority that we have to make sure that we've got right so that our kids, when they're older, they are living the life that we deep down know we want them to have. And I believe that, men, this is a huge calling. And here's the reason why this is so important. Because this is a principle. I'm telling you, you have to grasp this. Our lowest standard spiritually will be their highest standard. And if we have a low priority, theirs will be lower. And for me, I'm not okay with that. And I want to make sure that my lowest standard is as high as possible so that my kids will be as high as possible. And I think, men, here's what I think. I think that we have to figure this out. I think that God has a plan for us leading our families and declaring that we, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That God wants to use us to continue to move forward and figure this out and be men. I don't know if you looked at the, the Connection Group magazine, the magazines we have outside. There are like all kinds of groups designed to help men and their masculinity figure some of this out. We got fishing groups. The people are shooting guns together. They're beating each other up. No, they're not, but, you know, it'd be cool. A boxing group or kickboxing or something. Um, we, we have like 5 a.m. workout crazy stuff. We have all kinds of groups that are designed around us men figuring out how all of this works in our lives. And I think men, we have to lead. Because there's a whole generation that is coming up of young men and young women who do not know what a strong man's supposed to look like. Who do not know what a strong man spiritually is supposed to look like. We have a lot of homes that are full of women who are leading spiritually. But men, we have to stand up. We've got to figure it out and make it work. Because I believe that God has called us to do that. And God has designed our homes so that we would lead spiritually. And we would not just be dragged here and left by ourselves, but we would actually, we would actually lead the charge and say, you know what? We're going to serve the Lord. This house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to take steps every day in the direction that will make us more like Christ. I believe, men, that is what we are made to do. That is what God has designed us to do. I believe that. So let me ask us this. Not just the men, but also the women. Let me ask us. Is this the declaration of your family? Would you say that your family lives strong, that it's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Do our choices that we make with our family reflect that? What is our lowest standard spiritually? Are we comfortable with that being our child's highest? And again, for me, I'm not comfortable with that. And I want to constantly move that forward. So Joshua says, Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And after Joshua challenges them to choose, the people answered. And they said, verse 16, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. 
So they say, okay, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord in the next few verses. I'm not going to read them, but the next few verses, Joshua kind of does sort of that push back a little bit. And he goes, are you sure you're going to serve the Lord? Are you sure you're really going to draw a line today? Like, he just tried to make sure and kind of push on them a little bit. And they respond. He said, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. I said, Joshua, we're going to do it. So on that day, Joshua made a covenant. And the covenant is essentially an agreement between you, an individual, or a group of people, and God. And they make this agreement, this covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against us if you are untrue to your God. So what Joshua does is essentially is Joshua takes a rock. Uh, just kidding. He, uh, <laughs> Joshua takes a, takes, a, takes a big stone and he rolls it in place. And Joshua essentially says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Since we all disagreed and drew a line in the sand and we say we are going to serve the Lord. He rolled this stone in place. He said, here's the point. Every time you see this stone. Every time that you see this zone, every time that we walk past this, every time we're walking along the road and we see this, this will be a reminder of the choice that we made today. Every time we see this, we're going to remember the emotion, the desire, the the commitment, everything that we said we're going to do today, this is going to be a reminder for that. We'll never, ever, ever forget this day because this Huge rock is going to be a reminder for us so that we never, ever forget the commitment that we made today. So when you're walking down the street with the lady you have no business spending time with, you'll see this rock. There'll be something that just wells up in you. And you think to yourself, I shouldn't be doing this. And you start to sway. You start to be dishonest. You start to do some things and follow, not follow God anymore and make decisions that are leading you away from God. You're going to walk past this rock. And that commitment is coming back. It's going to well up in you. And this is going to serve, this is is going to serve, like for so many of us, like a wedding ring. This wedding ring will continually remind us of a day and a decision that we made and a commitment that we made. Every day we see it, we'll remember the commitment. And for each of us today, when we walked in, we got our own stone. I want you to take out, take out your stone. Because I believe that for so many of us today, I believe that God would say to us, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. But I believe that for a lot of us, it may be a set of choices. It may be one choice that we need to change. But I'd like to ask you, what are the choices in our lives that are moving us towards God? But what are the choices that we're making right now that are leading us away? What are the choices that we need to begin to change in our lives that will begin to lead us more towards God? What's the choice or set of choice, set of choices that we need to change that this stone is going to represent for us? What is that choice for you? What is that choice for you? What is that choice for your family? What's the thing right now that we need to say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord? 
What's that choice? For some of us, we came in today and, uh, and, and we know that we're the result of the choices that we make because we came in today and we've been making some choices. And we came in and we're battered, we're bruised, we're just jacked. We came in today going, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I know this doesn't work anymore. And I don't know exactly all the details of what following God is and surrendering to God, but I'm ready to surrender. For some of you that are here today, you would say that this stone is a stone of surrender. Where you say, God, I'm going to take a step in your direction. Today is my day where I start this journey of actually following you and going after you and trying to do whatever I need to do. Let me just say this. If that's you, as you take that step, God is going to lead you to a life. And as you continue to take steps to make us more like Christ, you're going to experience life at a level and a degree you've never seen before. Some of you, that's what the stone is. The stone is the, is the beginning of a journey. For some of us, the stone is a fighting for a marriage. For some of us, the stone is changing a behavior. For some of us, this is a commitment. And I know for, for a lot of us, maybe some of you know, some of us know what that choice is. And some of us, we know what that choice should be, but right now we're kind of having a hard time really come to terms with it. And some of us, we just need to spend some time with God and ask him what that choice needs to be, what he wants that choice to be. So we're going we're gonna to sing. Before we do that, um, I would just suggest that it, or just say to you, those of you who are starting that journey today that are saying, I'm going to begin to follow God, and this is a commitment. Let me just say this. I believe, I, I believe that in this moment, you should just spend some time with God and just say, God, I don't know what this is, and just talk to him normal. God, I don't know exactly how to do this, but today I'm going to take my first step in following you. Let's spend some time with God. Let's spend some time praying. So as Ariane sings, let's just stay seated and just spend some time between you and God making this commitment.